a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Good afternoon. Welcome, everyone, to Inside Sources. Do not adjust your dial. I am not Boyd Matheson. I think he's getting a. a, a early start or an extended version of the holiday weekend. Hopefully he is either above or out of the reach of the inversion that's uh, building up here along the Wasatch Front and going to go get some sunshine and some well-deserved R&R. So uh, filling in today for for Boyd, Marty Carpenter. Uh, This is uh, not my first rodeo here. I've been, uh, I think I've sat in two or three times now for Boyd and uh, really appreciate the opportunity to sit and have a conversation with you all. Talk about some of the biggest stories going on in our state, and across the country, and, and also to look at some things that maybe uh, don't get as much attention as uh, as they should, or some interesting things. I think we'll get into a bunch of that over the next two hours that we're together. So thanks for having me along, and uh, let's jump right in with that. You know, I wanted to start today's show off because earlier in the week we had uh, we had some things pop up up on the campus of the University of Utah. There was a, a bomb threat that was made against the, the university and specifically to the uh, Black Cultural Center. Um, turned out to be a hoax, and it uh, all indications were that the call, the threat came from someone not a part of the university, not a student, or not someone even here in Utah necessarily. Uh, the the thing is, it wasn't the first time we've had a, something pop up that dealt with race over the last few months at the University of Utah, and so I wanted to talk about what the university is doing to move forward to ensure that people, students on campus, staff on campus, uh, feel that it's an inclusive place. And I want to welcome in today University of Utah President Taylor Randall, who joins us on the line. President, thanks so much for making some time with us this afternoon. Marty, it's nice to be with you. Uh, First of all, congratulations on the new gig. And I don't know how much, if you've taken a moment to quantify, how much busier is it to be a president of a university instead of a dean? Oh, I I think it's twice as busy, to be quite honest with you. (laughs) There is uh, there's a lot of moving parts at a university, and and uh, there's an academic enterprise that I certainly understand well. But there's also a city to manage, uh, a sports franchise that um, you spend some time with, and we spent some time with, and a healthcare system. Yeah, nice easy job. <laughs> Just a real simple thing to to take over. Uh, I, I want to talk, President, about the the bomb threat. Uh, from uh, just a couple of days ago uh, at the U's uh, Black Cultural Center. It turned out to be a hoax. Um, but I, I imagine that as the leader and, and relatively new leader of the university, this must be mentally and emotionally 
taxing for you, but also for everyone on campus, for the students, the faculty, the administration, and in particular for minority communities, and maybe most specifically for the black community because it was their cultural center that was targeted in this case. You know, you've got this going on. You've got a COVID spike going on. In, in all of this, you, you posted a very personal statement, a video that you sent out to, to the, the broader campus and beyond. Can you just tell our audience a little bit about what, what you were trying to say in that video and, and what you were trying to express to the campus community to make sure that they feel safe? You know, Marty, we're trying to create um, the most amazing learning and cultural environment in the country here at the University of Utah. And, you know, part of that is making sure that it is a big tent, that um, our black students, our Latinx students, um, all of our students feel incredibly welcome and safe here. And, and that's, a, that's a difficult proposition when you've got as many students as, as we do. It's been frustrating, I think, in the first few months of my administration to see a number of racially motivated events occur um, whether they are real or not, um, they, they affect each member of our community, and particularly in this case, the members of our black community. They're so valuable and their voice is so valuable. And, and it wears on you. And, and for those of us that don't have to deal with, with these types of, I, I would say, incursions into your privacy and your safety every day, um, it, it, you've really got to take note. And, and it, it, it just, I think it, there comes a time when we've got to take collective action as a community and say, this is not who we are. It's not who we want to be. And sometimes we don't know where these threats are coming from, but we've got to come together and we've got to work together to make sure that everyone feels welcome. And, you know, my my statement was both probably a, a statement of just intense anger and deep sadness that this is kind of where we are. Mm -hmm. it, it must, President, I think, be so difficult because, in essence, you're hoping to pitch a, a perfect game, right? You have a campus of thousands of students and employees and, and healthcare workers. It's such a big enterprise. And, you know, even, even if you say, hey, there have been three or four incidents, um, some of those came by all indications from outside of campus and, and even the ones that happened uh, on campus or that were alleged to happen on campus, you know, that would represent maybe three, four, five bad actors, a very small percentage of the overall body. It just, it must feel like a real uphill battle to say, we need to have no incidents like this. And, and, and so the challenge really must be just how do you deal with them when they pop up? Because it really is such a small number of people who are, are perpetrating these, these incidents. Yeah, but I think it also points out that we, we need to spend time to build our community so that we have some social equity with each other, that we have always a positive community going on. And I think in this case, it's somewhat compounded by COVID that we're, we're away from each other. We're now just trying to get back into those normal rhythms of social life where we see each other regularly. And we're realizing that we've got to just take time to care for each other, to spend time to have fun together. And as you as you spend time in those conversations and you get to know each other, when these these difficult times come up, there is that social equity that you lean on, and you know that you know people have each other's backs. And we've got some work to do, and we're going to do that hard work on this campus. Mm -hmm. 
you mentioned that you want to build this exceptional experience. You, you want the University of Utah to be um, the best all around. What are some things that you are really looking forward to to doing as president of the University of Utah? And I know you've got an inauguration coming up, and so I don't want you to, to get ahead of yourself there, but can you give our audience a sense of what your vision is for the university and the role it it, it can play in our state and, and in presenting our state beyond the borders of Utah? Sure. We, we um, as a state, are sitting on what I think are the best opportunities in the entire country. A growing population, a booming economy, fantastic collaboration among all industry sectors. And here, a university is in the middle of that, feeding new students into these opportunities, performing research uh, that can change industries, and then just serving the community. So I really aspire that our university become one of the top public universities in this country, that we really rewrite the implicit contract we have with the community to provide incredible education to every nook and cranny of this state. We want to revolutionize the student experience. We want to make it exciting. We want to integrate it with our research mission so that when someone comes here, they say, my goodness, that that is a different place. It's an exciting place. It's a place where I am going to launch my career and my dreams. Yeah. Well, President, best of luck to you uh, moving forward. And uh, most notably, you come off of a trip to the Rose Bowl, and already I've seen rankings where the football team is in the top five for next season. So certainly brighter, uh, bigger and brighter things down the road for the University of Utah. Well, thanks for having me today, and uh, you're, uh, you're, you're kind to spend time with me. Thank you. All right. Thanks so much. President uh, Taylor Randall from the University of Utah sharing some time and insight on some important things coming up for the University of Utah. And when we come back, the U.S. will take in more refugees this year following a record low acceptance rate in 2021. While that's good news for many people, are there some things that we need to fix in our refugee processing system? Uh, We're going to talk with an expert from the National Immigration Forum right after this. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.